Good morning. Did you know that the most important thing about you is that God loves you? He loved you to the cross and back. And part of his great love is that he gives you a life that matters. You never have to wonder, do I matter? Do I count? You are number one in God's book. And he gives you opportunities every day to live a life beyond yourself. I like to call it a legacy life. This is Sue Donaldson. As you listen today, ask God, show me how to spend today investing in people and your word, because both last forever. There's no better way to live. Good morning. Today, we are talking to my first health coach. I don't know. I'm not sure I can do this today, Robin, because I went to Taco Bell for lunch. Um, uh, But this is Robin Ryan McDonald, and she describes herself as a faith-based holistic health coach. And we're going to dig into that a little bit, Robin. I know you'll be excited to talk about what that actually means. We'll break it down. Robin, first tell us a little bit about where you live, your family, and then what does that exactly mean? Yes. So I live in Oceanside, California. I'm a mama of two boys. I've got a three and a half year old and a 10 month old. Whoa. I know. And I'm married to the man of my dreams. (laughs) And so a holistic faith-based health coach. So at the end of the day, it really means that we are coming into alignment with what God has called us to already. We've been given this life. We have a vision. We have a purpose. We have a calling. Like you, you talk about all the time, we have this legacy. And so my big thing is what does it look like to steward our bodies and to partner with God in creating the vitality that we need to carry that out? Hmm. Say it again. What does it look like to steward our bodies? For those who don't know the Christianese steward, what do you mean by that? Thank you for asking. So stewarding means that you are, you are taking care of, you're tending to something. So Mm -hmm. if you've been given, if you're, if someone lends something to you that actually belongs to them, you want to make sure you take really good care of it. Mm -hmm. Right. And so our bodies at the end of the day, we belong to God. And so we want to make sure we take really good care of them again, in order to do what he's called us to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's always for a higher purpose. It's not so that we look good though. I like to look good in order. Yeah. (laughs) In order uh, to fill out our, or fulfill our purpose that God has given us. Um, I'm wondering for the person who has a ongoing disease that makes them, maybe they can't even get out of bed, you know, yeah. that, that for, um, what's that called? Um, uh, where you just don't have any strength. I There's a couple of different diseases. Yes. That anyway, that I mean, if they're listening to this today, they go, wait, is this my design to stay in bed all day? What would you say to someone like that? It's a good question. Bringing the heavy questions out. I like it. So first thing I'll say is I don't believe that that was God's intention or design. The problem is we live in a fallen, broken world. And unfortunately there is disease, there is pain. And even Jesus himself said, we would not face this world without trouble. There would be challenges. And unfortunately for some of us, that is physical. Right. With that said, there is almost always something we can do to either minimize the either propensity we have towards disease or even our current state. Right now, the United States, we are struggling. Most adults are either obese or experiencing not just one, but two to three chronic diseases. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that is actually lifestyle induced. So there are the people who unfortunately have these oftentimes diseases that they got maybe since birth, 
but most people only have a propensity to disease. And it was the choices that we've made that led to the outcome we have. Hmm. And for some people, maybe they hear that and they're like, oh man, like I did this to myself. And maybe they would be inclined to feel guilty or shame. And I would say there doesn't need to be any shame in it because unfortunately our culture has informed us that fast food and convenience and sedentary lifestyle, all those things are the norm. And so most of us wouldn't even know where to begin to make different changes. And when we become aware of where we're at and the hope that's available to us for the healing that can come from starting now, no matter where you're at to make those simple changes, that's when we can take hold of God's grace and actually create a different outcome and trajectory for us moving forward. Okay. Now that is a mouthful and a paragraph full. And I love all those different sentences, taking care of yourself for God's kingdom, also uh, taking hold of his grace and also starting where you are. I think for people who are chronic dieters, especially Mm -hmm. feel like I've tried them all, none work. So I'm just going to go buy another donut. Uh, A friend of mine, um, she does like to walk a lot more than I do, but she says she calls it taking care of her temple Mm -hmm. because our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I thought, okay, spiritualize everything. Grace, her name is even Grace, (laughs) but, um, but it's true. Yeah. We take care of our temples when we are stewarding our bodies. Well, how did you get started in health coaching and what do you love about it? Great question. So for me, I actually grew up eating terribly. Hmm. Paul talks about, (laughs) why is that? Why is that your mother? You're going to blame your mother. (laughs) Watch it. I have adult children. (laughs) I always say, bless my precious mama. She didn't know. I didn't know. None of us knew. We were just living the American standard diet, also known, or the standard American diet, also known as SAD, right? S-A-D. What's it it stand for? Standard Standard American American diet. diet. (laughs) It's just SAD. White sugar, white bread, all the things I like. Shake and bake this, fried this, mm-hmm. pasta that, hamburger helper. If it wasn't in a box or something we could throw in the microwave or uh-huh. something we could get, you know, in a drive-thru. I, I personally wasn't eating it. I was the pickiest eater. Oh. Paul writes about how he was the foremost in his sin. And I'm like, I was the foremost with my eating. Like I did not like vegetables. A lot mm-hmm. of my childhood friends who know what I do now think it's hilarious because they knew how picky they remember. Was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> my mother always served two vegetables at every meal. So that was good. And she was from the Midwest, but we mm. live in California. So we had good vegetables, you know, the Midwest, you think they would have better vegetables, but no. uh, it's the frozen vegetables. I think that are healthier than the canned, of course. Oh yeah. And then she always had a salad, but um, I'm not saying, you know, we grew up and also we couldn't afford to go out. And I think going out, especially the fast food in McDonald's was like to eat. Well, they were pretty cheap when they started, but, um, <laughs> but uh, it was kind of a treat, you know, to do fast food. So I, I think I grew up fairly healthy, but you didn't. So what switched it? <laughs> that's awesome that you had that. And I think that's one of the things I tell people too, is if you could just cook your own food, even if maybe mm-hmm. it's not the standard healthy, whatever, that's a game changer in of itself. But for me, I didn't, it didn't catch my attention until college. Hmm. I ended up getting a full face of acne and gaining the freshman 15, which turned into the college 20. Hmm. And then like we talked about earlier, we want to look good. <laughs> I wasn't feeling so good in how I looked, And so I started to do some more research and exploration. Hmm. And it was funny because I was trying to find the right topical regimen for my face. And a friend of mine said, you know, what shows up on your face is actually part from what you eat. 
Hmm. And I thought that was the dumbest thing. I was like, why would what I eat have anything to do with my face? Like that goes in my stomach. <laughs> yeah, but I remember people saying, well, I can't have chocolate because of my acne. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It, it is absolutely related. I didn't know at the time, mm-hmm. obviously. <laughs> and it wasn't until I did change my diet. And I, and at the time I was, I was eating out a lot. I was getting a lot of, and I was on a, a college budget as well. Sure. And so, and so I ended up realizing by changing my diet, I cleared my acne. I lost the weight, but what really shifted in having a passion for this was when I started to see the health of my grandparents deteriorate. Oh, So I have all the chronic diseases represented in my grandparents, heart disease, diabetes, arthritis, Alzheimer's, cancer, dementia. And I have one grandparent left. Uh, Unfortunately, two grandpas passed away from dementia, Alzheimer's. Hmm. One grandma passed away from heart failure. She also had diabetes and arthritis. My last standing grandma has, um, she's a cancer survivor she has diabetes and arthritis Mm -hmm. and all of these. Yeah. Diabetes is such a bad thing. My husband's an internist. And so he's very conscious of getting his patients to lose weight because Mm -hmm. diabetes is so hurtful to your body. You don't stay alive longer. Absolutely. And unfortunately, diabetes is often the precursor to heart disease. So when you see someone who ends up with heart disease, stroke, heart attack, it often started with diabetes, which even before that was a result of excessive blood sugar spikes, which comes from eating a lot of processed, high carb refined foods. Hmm. Um, how I'm going to ask you another hard question. I'm ready. My husband uh, is naturally slender. Thankfully, okay. all, all three of my daughters got those genes. <laughs> okay. um, but uh, I, you know, we feel like it's unfair to those who are naturally DNA disposed <laughs> yeah. um, to having, you know, like a friend, my, my, one of my roommates, her father died very young and he was a jogger. Mm-hmm. And when I mentioned that to my husband later, when I met him, he said, Oh, well, it's DNA. And so how much of it is DNA where people go, well, it's not fair. He can have three beers a night and he doesn't get a beer belly and he doesn't work out and he just, you know, climb Mount Everest. So I know that's whining, but I bet you hear it. Absolutely. And even to some extent with me, I'm, I'm six feet tall. And so even when I was, (laughs) when I was at my heaviest and I show my like before and after photos, they're like, you don't look like you were that heavy. And I'm like, well, it just kind of distributes really well. (laughs) So yeah, I wear um, big sweaters myself. So (laughs) there you go. And your question, there's two different aspects to it. So one just based on what we know through research is 80% of what actually comes about with disease is lifestyle. Only 20% is genetics. So uh, how, how do you know that for sure? That's a that's, big statement. Yeah, absolutely. So the, you, if you want to delve further into it, you look into the study of epigenetics. So this is the study that looks, or the, the study of your genes and gene expression. So what we've come to find is that you, so you're given a certain set of genes from your parents, obviously, but based on what you do, your environment, your, even your mental health, what you eat, your water, all these different factors cause those genes to either express, to turn on or to turn off. Oh, wow. And can you kill them off early on so that they never get turned back on? I'm not entirely sure about that. What I do know <laughs> is that 
the more we implement those healthy habits, the better chance we have to keep the negative ones off. Right. And did you study health in college then? I actually didn't. So undergrad was business. Grad school was seminary. And I ended up doing a specific nutrition certification through integrative health after I graduated, once I started to see the health deteriorate with my grandparents and Mm -hmm. after coming from seminary where we're being equipped to exegete the Bible and to understand theology and to equip the saints and doing what God's called them to do. Mm -hmm. And I'm seeing these precious saints getting taken out of the game early and being hindered by disease. And I'm like, even professors and peers I, there were two pastors in my denomination who passed away in their fifties and sixties from these degenerative diseases. And so God really put on my heart of like, okay, this is a problem. If the bodies that comprise the body of Christ are unable to do what they're called to do to actually be the hands and feet of Jesus, Hmm. we're in trouble. Hmm. Um, how much as believers do we need to focus on the physical? You've sort of answered the question, but that's yeah, I think that might come to mind for those who are more like uh, too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. But um, God calls us to set our minds on things above. He doesn't say to set our bodies on things above. So what, how would you answer that? I think the best answer to almost any question we have regarding our walk with God is what is, what do we, what can we see from Jesus in his life? Hmm. So Jesus had three years of public ministry. He was alive for 33, but he only had three years of public ministry. When you read the gospels, I believe the number is, I'm not going to give the percentage, but I would say at least a third of the gospel is referring to physical healings. Mm -hmm. So if physical health didn't matter, then the son of God was wasting his time. And I don't think he was. But I think people are, um, would argue Sure. Yeah. Lay it on ready. (laughs) I taught high school. So I love it. I love it. (laughs) It has nothing to do with anything. Um, (laughs) I think they might argue that the reason there were physical healings is because people were looking for an outward sign of a Messiah, but you take it to a different aspect. I'm not arguing with you, but I think that's a very interesting thing that that's, that's how you come about. I think uh, you've already answered it, is that God wants us to uh, live for him mm-hmm. in the best way possible and to live live longer may or may not be in the cards. I mean, Tim Keller just right. passed away very young uh, because of pancreatic cancer. Who knows whose fault that was? Or sure. is there a fault? Who knows? Yeah, I don't wow. think people are talking about that right now. They're just feeling the loss. Right. And um, my brother's almost 80 and I'm not ready for him to yeah. That's the way he's got a lot more going on, but he's sick right yeah. now. So it makes me worried yeah. um, in a spiritual way, of course, but uh, I've given him to the Lord, but I just don't want him to, but 80 is long, you know, mm-hmm. 80 is mm-hmm. long for some. Yeah. And I, and I told you I'm 71 and I'm not ready to uh, conk over, but I'm, I'm ready to see Jesus. But if he wants me to be healthier, uh, maybe I need to hire you. Hey, I'm here. I'm ready. <laughs> we do have an application process. So oh, I just don't want to give up sugar. That's my problem. I'm a good baker. Um, you and include... hey, me too. You are? Yes. Yeah. But um I, I'm not gonna argue with you. I'm sure you are. You include in your <laughs> you include in your description the phrase weight loss. There's a lot to be said about this because mm. of body image. And uh, my yeah. daughter's a therapist and she has to deal with um 
you know, especially girls or women who uh, would go into deep depression because of body image issues. Right. Maybe, maybe it's not even a bad body image, but it's yeah. how they, uh, how they view themselves, depression, even suicide. What are your thoughts on that? As I think it's a weight he- loss. Yes. So there's, it's obviously a, a word that can be fleshed out a lot. When you think of weight loss, I mean, people, when you ask someone, what's your main health goal? And they say, I want to lose 20 pounds. If you cut off someone's leg, that's going to drop for some people close to 20 pounds, but that's not really what we're looking for. Right. No, no. And so what people really want is they want fat loss. And what they even want more than that is to look a certain way. And oftentimes, at least for myself, I care a lot about building muscle. There's a lot of research that shows that one of the number one things you can do to reduce all risk of disease and mortality is to build muscle. Hmm. And oftentimes to create maybe the aesthetic that people are looking for, they don't realize that sometimes that could mean gaining weight. Yeah, I was going to say muscles make you cause uh, Mm -hmm. gain weight. Yeah, I've heard that before too. And so something we talk, a couple different things we talk about with my clients. One, we, we, a big foundation of the program is grounding ourselves in our identity in Christ and knowing that the pursuit of health, even the pursuit of weight loss, isn't about trying to attain a, an acceptance for our body or trying to reach a certain aesthetic goal. Again, we all want to look good. We want to feel confident, but I think what we often don't realize is that come, that's a decision that we make ourselves that comes from receiving God's perspective of us that comes from believing what's true and identifying the lies that are there. And oftentimes the lie is I'm not attractive or beautiful unless I weigh X amount Okay, and things like that. But then of Mm -hmm. course, from the actual health standpoint, we want to say, okay. And some people they're actually healthy at a heavier weight. We want to look at their blood work. You want to look at their physical capacity. You want to look at those other factors or even two, if someone's more muscular and then they have maybe some fat on top of that. And it looks like they're heavier, but they're actually, their body composition isn't unhealthy. So there's a lot that goes into what it means to lose weight and what it means to be healthy. And in terms of body size, what that looks like. Okay. Um, What is your favorite? Maybe you don't have one. (laughs) Do you have a favorite popular weight loss or fitness program? I'm thinking of Noom, Calibrate, um, Weight Watchers. Do you have one or you don't even want to mention it? I don't, I am a big, I'm a big proponent of creating a lifestyle. Mm. And I think that's one of the biggest hurdles for people in creating something that lasts 90% of people who lose a significant portion of weight, gain it back within five years. Oh, totally. And a big part of that is because we try the next thing. We try the next diet, we try the next app or whatnot, and we miss that it's not a question of hitting your next goal. It's a question of, am I creating habits that serve a lifestyle, like we talked about, enabling me to do what God's called me to do. And so we do a lot of reframing and perspective shifting with my clients to where, yes, I we support them in losing the weight. Yes, we support them in improving their blood work and increasing their energy, but we want to come down to, are we creating a lifestyle that's in alignment with who you are in Jesus? Hmm. I'm writing this down. No problem. Uh, because I've joined a couple of these things and I've gained, I've lost like five pounds and then, but I don't like the food. Sometimes I don't mm-hmm. like the food. So I think, well, this is not going to last. So I quit, mm-hmm. you know, that wasn't those two, but it, there was something else. I can't remember the name. And I thought, oh my gosh, I don't even like it. 
So, um, and I'm a foodie and I know you can eat well and deliciously healthy. Um, mm -hmm. and sometimes I do. So am I creating habits that are in alignment with say that again, with who Jesus has called me to be and what he's called me to do. Do you think that there's a prejudice against fat people, even it's in Christian good, circles? It's a good question. I think it's one of those things where it's something to discern with each individual heart. I, I, I'm not entirely sure. I guess I don't have a strong opinion on, on that question. I think, I think there's a misconception about people who are heavy, the assumption that they're that way because they're lazy or because right. totally they agree. ended up that way. And mm -hmm. I don't think that's the case because like I said, our culture, one, we've got a culture that has severely misinformed us on what health actually is. The governmental guidelines are junk and actually perpetuate obesity and the onset of disease. And then on top of that, oftentimes what parents consumed and their lack of health when they have their kids, they increase the propensity of obesity and whatnot. And so, and one last thing I'll say about that, most people who come to work with me are under eating, even though they're overweight. Isn't that interesting? They're trying so hard to lose weight and they are, they care so much about trying to be healthy and they're actually not able to lose the weight because their body is starving and holding on to the weight for, mm. to, to survive. And I have to do a lot of, of mental reworking for them to be comfortable with increasing their intake so that we can get their body nourished mm. and mm. help improve their metabolism to get to a place where they can actually lose the weight. It sounds like it's a big educational process, education, mm -hmm. education, plus uh, building good habits. Mm -hmm. Can you summarize what you mean by the phrase grace-based sustainable process? That's on your website. Yes, let me, it let me is. say it again, grace-based sustainable, which we all want to be sustained in any process. If we're going to work that hard, if we're going to spend money to be coached or to change a habit, whether or not we go with you or anything, uh, and also um, fresh food costs more sometimes, you know, sometimes, and sometimes yes. mm -hmm. um, the poor section of, um, of the population, it's difficult. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so of course they... I know we were each given a hundred dollars by our church uh, during COVID to go pass it around to people, and or that's to cool. Uh, yeah, I think my husband used it to help someone who needed um, dental work, uh, and my daughter and I went around and we we bought some sleeping bags on sale and passed them out to homeless uh, people. But we actually went to McDonald's to get ten dollar gift certificates because they could get more food. It would fill their belly. Sure longer but of mm -hmm. course it wasn't healthy so mm -hmm. i'm a bad girl but uh, no. they got fed a little they were happy to get them of course but i'm sure so the poor part of the uh so what do you say for someone i can't afford to eat well what i will say is it does take some intentionality mm. to craft a meal plan and a grocery list that actually can fit within a certain budget and i will say i'm very excited i'm going to be having a gal on my podcast who is like the budget master and oh, she great. that's like her whole thing is you can eat healthy and budget like for this much. So I'm excited to have her as a resource. Um, but with that said, it, 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 what is not able to occur in finances for purchasing food will have to be made up in time to, mm -hmm. you know, plan accordingly. Yeah. It's so true. Cause, um, well, I grew up with mom, uh, parents who didn't, we didn't go out to eat much. And, and uh, where I live here, we didn't go out to eat much just because I have that, I'm a granddaughter of the depression. 
Yeah. But I also find that the food tastes better if you make it at home, but it does take more time. And because I mm -hmm. didn't have to work full time um, after my children were born, I have the time and energy to do it. But when yeah. I started working part time, I thought, well, no wonder people want to order pizza. It's yeah. you're so tired after work. So you have to plan in advance. And I usually plan my menus two, two weeks in advance. And then if I change my mind, at least I, I usually put a little like, if I don't feel like eating this, a little list, you know, because it, intentionality uh, helps actually in so many good things. What yeah. is the main key to good health? a big broad question i know but you wrote on this you say being healthy doesn't have to be hard really how so okay so being healthy doesn't have to be hard what's the main key to being healthy the main key so i think is being vision driven and that mm. vision comes from again our identity in christ and knowing who we are in him because I, you, I mean, whether it's from me or something you Google, there are always going to be recipes, meal plans, right. diets, programs, et cetera. But the question is, if it's going to last, it comes down to, are you being driven by the one who made you and the one who's called you mm. to living that life of purpose? Doesn't everything always come down to that? At the end of the day, yeah, <laughs> they joke about that being the answer in Sunday school, Jesus. And it's like, but yeah, that is <laughs> ultimately <laughs> That's true. That's the true. answer. <laughs> uh, and you know, my podcast is about legacy and I can tell what your legacy is. And I, I appreciate your, um, uh, you're so articulate. How old are you? Can I ask how old are you? Yeah, I don't mind. I'm 32. There we go. And a uh, mother of two, active and a great, and six feet tall, and has this great <laughs> uh, business. But it's not just a business for you. I can see that it's a passion. So how would you answer this question? What do you want your legacy to be for those who know and love you? So the biggest legacy that I want to pass down is that that we would be led by Jesus in all areas of life and prioritizing what matters most. Mm. And, you know, that's being vision driven in relationships, in career, in health, everything. And obviously one of my primary areas of focus is health. And I really believe that it's to the enemy's delight that we consider health as something separate from our, our pursuit of Jesus and mm. our ultimate legacy. Mm. Totally. I was told in college that um, spirituality isn't the a slice of the pie, it's the whole pie. And our health Amen. is one of those slices. And of course, I like to eat and make pie. Uh, <laughs> but I always remember that because I think people, you know, like in your neighborhood, they see you drive out to go to church on a Sunday morning and they think, wow, the, um, there's, they're the religious people and they consider it a slice of their your life. And unless mm -hmm. they actually know you and get to know you, um, they, they think, well, that's just not for me. Mm -hmm. But if they mm -hmm. get to know you, hopefully hopefully they will know that it's not just a slice of our week Amen. during the other six days that Jesus rules our life. And I can say that it's not always the case for me, but that is my long-term goal as well. Same. How are you busy doing it right now, passing on this legacy? It's been a huge game changer since I've become a mom. Mm. I think it's added a lot more depth to that question and, and what it looks like. And so I, and it's also in some ways made it more challenging. Uh, and so for me, I'm very intentional to do my very best to spend time in prayer and in the word. And even prayer has taken a different 
avenues. Every time I breastfeed, like, I'm like, I'm just sitting here. I'm going to pray. Every time I put down my babies, I pray over them. Um, and just finding those mundane areas where I can invite God, acknowledge him with me. Even just this morning, I put on my Instagram story, how when I was at the gym, I was thanking Jesus that I was feeling stronger. I'm, you know, 10 months postpartum. And I was like, how cool God that you created our bodies this way to heal and get stronger and recover, especially for us, you know, as women to, to have that opportunity and privilege. So for me, that's a huge part is how do I integrate Jesus into the mundane? And <clears throat> at the end of the day, a habit that I've recently started implementing is I, I call it the God count up. And so I write down at least three things that God did through my day that I would count as a win that I get to give him glory for. And then I write down three things that as intentions for the next day. Hmm. And that practice has helped me just in reflecting on my day, help me acknowledge God, help me acknowledge what there is to celebrate. And then also set my focus for the next day and just helps me be so much more intentional with, again, what matters most to me and, and grounding myself in Jesus. So every day you remember what your three, three things are for your focus. Not always, actually. I try but to. How can you do that with two small children? <clears throat> Good for you. I read recently that we should just tell God every day how much we adore him. And that has really revolutionized. I can't really say that revolutionized my prayer life because it's been since Friday. But <laughs> since Friday, I have felt closer to God in adoring him. Amen. Even when things that. were, um, you know, not going to my uh the way I wanted it to go, you know, how things yeah. happen they'd, and you're disappointed in people or in yourself. And then you go, well, I just adore you. It makes yeah. such a difference. And that really brings God and his grace into the mundane because life is mundane. Mm -hmm. um, as Charles Swindoll said, uh, the trouble with life is that it's so daily. And, uh, and yet God says, I love, uh, I think it's Psalm 92. It's my parentheses. There, it's my parentheses verse. It says, I proclaim your love in the morning and your faithfulness by night. Amen. So if in the morning you have the, the love and at night you have the faithfulness. And because I was an English teacher, it's a parentheses. And then we're in the middle adoring him. What obstacles did you have to overcome or challenges to meet to leave this legacy? Or you're in the process, I know. Yes, uh, of course, always in the process. Yep. The two biggest things, one is I would consider myself kind of more of like a type A achiever kind of person. Mm -hmm. And I've fallen <clears throat> into the trying to do for God versus with God. Mm. And that's a big thing I am trying to be so mindful of and to continue to bring before him and to bring to his feet because I and while doing things for God, you know, it's not a bad thing, no. but I, I want the fullness of what I'm created for. And I know that that's that intimate relationship with him. And I know that the way that I'm going to have the greatest impact and to ultimately do what he's laid on my heart to do is going to come from being in him. Mm -hmm. I'm doing it with him from him <clears throat> uh, versus if it's just for him, then it's out of my own perspective and my own strength. So that's the first thing. The second thing is being mindful of when, again, being a, an achiever type is being aware of when shame tries to creep in. And that's why I actually emphasize so much about grace in the program, because I have so much experience of working through that shame and taking hold of God's grace and acknowledging grace is something that's not just that, which covers our sins or our mistakes, but also the substance by which we are fueled into transformation. You know, we use the phrase like, oh, it's by God's grace. And it is that we can be transformed and and experience a different trajectory. Um, give me an example. 
good example from, I think it was a week and a half or so ago, I was trying to handle this very stressful situation with my husband. He was out of town on the phone. I have a baby screaming. I have my three-year-old whining and like my whole self is just like, ah. and so I like, I ended up yelling. I went into the garage. I did a, ah, like, <laughs> yelled outside, came back in. And I just was like, so worked up. And it was ironic because I had just prayed a prayer a couple of days before of like, God, reveal the areas of me that you <laughs> that I need to work. Yeah. Maybe even slightly from like a place of pride of like, I don't know what I need to work on, like reveal to me. And then it's like two days later, boom, like, okay, Jesus, like I see that. And like, that would be one of those moments where I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I reacted that way. Like what's wrong with me? Like, oh, like that's not the example I want to set for my kids. And that's where the shame would like try to creep in. But I, <laughs> I guess, fortunately, unfortunately, I have walked this path so many times that I'm like, okay, hold on. We're going down the road of shame. Like what's true is I made a mistake. I'm not perfect. I get to work on taking hold of God's grace in those moments where I'm super stressed, recognizing like, this isn't like life or death. How can I be the thermometer instead of, or the barometer instead of the thermometer with my kids, right? I set the tone. Mm -hmm. And so I was able after, of course, being upset with myself and experiencing a bit of the shame (laughs) to take hold of what's actually true and take hold of God's grace. And since then, I mean, it's it's been better. Am I never going to have a moment like that? No, (laughs) but I can say that God's, you know, doing that little bit of work continually in me in that way. Mm. Great. Um, How do you embody God's welcoming heart? I love that question. And I actually just went to a conference this past weekend and it was not a Christian conference. It was Mm. a business conference. Um, And it's, It was a group of people who have a huge desire to make a big impact. And the language that they used was like the universe or living a life of surrender, the cosmos. um, And the energy that you bring to the table. The energy, all those things. And they even had stories of like, I don't know, I just, something in me told me to do this. And, and my heart was just like bursting because I'm like, it's Jesus. Like (laughs) it is Jesus. Like all of that, it is found in Jesus. And obviously, like, I can't just, like, interrupt them or scream, like, Jesus! Um, usually, it's not super effective. But what I did do, they create a lot of space for sharing in that environment. And this is what I try to do in my life in general is to be really authentic and to not feel like I have to, like, hide or change language when I'm talking about what's authentic for me. So when they asked what my goals were for the year, I said, I want to be in 100% partnership with God in my business and my family. Hmm. And when they asked me you know, what are the big wins you have from the last year? I said, my husband and I did a pastoral internship together at our church and we led a small group together and we have weekly date nights and we're going to go on a vision retreat together. Like I'm prioritizing my marriage and God and we're serving together. So it's like, I wasn't preaching to them. I was sharing, sharing authentically. You were. Mm-hmm. Right. And even too, I, you know, they asked the question of what, what are you going to bring to this, you know, this event? And I said, if anybody is questioning at all, about their worth and value and feeling like this business is the way that they're proving themselves. I would love to speak life into you. And I got to have a couple of those conversations. Did they come to you? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was your point that they would find it that it wasn't enough? Uh, Can you rephrase that? You said, um, if there's anyone here who's finding their worth in their business, I thought that's what you said. And you were going to say, well, um, you're going to eventually come to the end of that because God is the one yes. who gives you worth. Okay. 
Yeah. Yes. A lot of them are, they, and they share, it's a pretty vulnerable group, which is really cool. And I think was what sets the stage for me to also share vulnerably and even for them to be more receptive. Um, but they'll say things like, oh yeah, my mom didn't believe in me. And so, you know, I, I I'm proving to her now, like I'm making this much or things like that. And I just want to be like, oh, precious person, like you're enough as you are. And like, you know, what you're creating here is, is an out overflow from like your worth and your value. And then at the end of the day, again, back to, and it's Jesus, <laughs> but you know, being able to just speak life and encouragement is, is certainly something that really lights me up. Mm, wonderful. So how could people find you? I am on all the social media platforms. Actually, I'm not, I'm not on TikTok, believe it or not, as a, as a millennial, I'm not on TikTok, but you can find me on Instagram or Facebook. I also do have my own podcast. I just launched. It's called the vision driven health podcast. Mm. Uh, and so those are the three best places you can find me or hear more from me. Okay. And we'll put the links in show notes and you have a couple of resources. Would you uh, explain them? And then we're going to offer them free to my listeners. Perfect. So the first one is called the five day sugar fast devotional. This one was a labor of love with me and my team. We get into what it looks, what fasting is from a physical standpoint, what it is from a spiritual standpoint. And then we each wrote uh, one of those, or we took turns writing those different devotionals in there. And it guides you through a really cool process of fasting sugar and ultimately receiving more of God in your life and learning to partner with him in your health to something physical. So that's a great option. Second one in the same vein, the greens and grace challenge. <laughs> it is a five day experience where you will have access to five different recordings from myself on what it means to be vision driven, grace fueled, and then some very practical trainings on how to, how to deal with sugar and blood sugar, how to form habits that last and break ones that aren't serving you and those different topics. So that, and it also has recipes. Both of these actually have recipes in there uh, based on the, the topic of them. And lastly, for those of you who maybe are hearing all of this and say, I don't have time for any of this. I have the how to prioritize your health amidst the chaos without any added stress masterclass. Mm. And that how, one, how long is that? It's two hours. So ironically, um, so it's something that you can break up over a few days or a week and kind of get little chunks of it as you go. But it also has a, a few different resources built into it, a, how to make a schedule. It's also got recipes, quick, easy recipes, all of them, all my recipes that I give people, I try to make quick, easy, and tasty. I love that quick, easy, and tasty. Me too. <laughs> Me too. Um, I always give a gift to my podcast guests. My, my listeners don't know this, but I send you uh, simple favorite recipes from Sue, and you can just throw them all out when I send them to you. <laughs> so funny. You're going to say, oh dear, she needs me. I'm going to look at them. <laughs> Thank you so much for being with us today. And you have been a delight and God bless you. Until next time, think about your legacy, the one God has called you to live all for heaven's sake. I would love to speak at your next Christian women's event. See my keynotes and retreat series, as well as the show notes from today's broadcast at welcomeheart.com. Thanks for coming. You're always welcome here.